Hello, hello. Welcome to Kill the Bottle Podcast. Eddie's Mora, a.k.a. The Yum Yum Foodie. And as always across from me is the lovely Megan Elizabeth. Megan, you have a nice, <laughs> happy smile today. Uh, I, I can't say yet why you're smiling. The folks who'll see the video will know. Um, I know. I'm entertained by our guest already. Our guest Very is thoroughly entertaining. Smart man. He's got his glass of wine. I mean, it is called Kill the Bottle Podcast, so I'll, I'll let you know real quick what I'm sipping on. Uh, last night, I'm still recovering from the dinner I had at Bavel yesterday here, one of my favorite restaurants in L.A., uh, but I was there with the Israeli wine producers, so I got to go home with some good Israeli wine. I'm drinking a GSM uh, from the Judean Hills. And uh, GSM, so it's Grenache, Syrah, Mouvedre, very typical to your Rhone varietal that you dig if you like your Cote de Rhone wines. And this one is kind of like right down the middle. It's 34 Mouvedre, 33 Grenache, 33 Syrah, and it is uh, from uh, Gush Etzion Winery. Uh, yeah, anyway, age 12 months, this is some, this is some good shit. It's some, it's some nice, good food wine. What are you sipping on, Megs? Menage a trois. Oh. Really? You, you had to go to Menage a Trois? <laughs> you know what? Menage a Trois. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Uh, for those of you who are wondering who that voice is from the heavens, that is our guest today. He is an actor, an author, a screenwriter, singer. He has a wonderful podcast called Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And if you wonder why... He has a podcast with the name Godfather in it. It's because some of you might recognize this gentleman as uh, Carlo in the iconic film by Francis Ford Coppola, The Godfather. We want to welcome to Kill the Bottle podcast, the man, the myth, also the legend, uh, Johnny Russo. How are you, Johnny? I like that intro, man. You like the that? Man, myth. You like, you like that? Yeah, you know, I love funny. it. Are you kidding? What, what are you sipping on, Johnny? I have 900 hectares of land. Okay. From, uh, of my own vineyards. Bravo. Where? Well, in Italy, obviously, not in Israel. But uh, I, I've been to Israel. I live in the kibbutz. I had a lot of fun there many, many years ago. But I got into, I inherited this stuff, not because I have money. I just was on the lamb for 22 months after the Kennedy assassination. And I had nothing to do. So I was trying to find all this land. That, you know, during the First World War, Second World War, these poachers just took it over. So what I did, I went back to Puglia and uh, Grosseto, all those areas, and got 900 hectares of land, let everybody stay on it. But I have first option on the crop. So that's what I'm drinking. Not not too, you know, not too yeah, shabby. I mean, so. No. <laughs> and well, is it? Is I wish it, I had a story like that behind mine. I know. I know. <laughs> My, mine is like the, the guy I, who I the like your, gave me a bottle. I made like your story better. Hello, I think Mom. you will. I think you will. Yeah. Smart man. Smart man. Uh, Johnny, so it's funny because I did, I did now, that you, now that I mentioned, I did say the man, the myth, the legend. What is, you know, in, in reference to The Godfather, is there or what is the biggest myth that's out there about the movie in your experience or whatever that just drives you crazy when you hear it perpetuated? That you're like, this This didn't happen like that. Well, no, it, uh, most of it did. Oh, uh, good. What I'm, what I'm getting a lot of uh, now because of the offer, mm -hmm. that 10-hour miniseries, that's a myth. <laughs> well, I mean, this is just uh, through Albert is, Ruddy's eyes, essentially, I guess. I guess an Albert Ruddy everything. Yeah. Albert Ruddy gave me the part. Albert Ruddy found the house on Staten Island. Well, I, we're not here to talk negatives, but anyway. No, but I mean, that's that's fair. 20, that, would, that would drive 20, me crazy. 
But at 26 years of age, I wanted to be an actor. I'm, I have an ego then bigger than I have now. And I figured I had a lot of money. So I had someone read me the book called The Godfather. And I thought I could play Michael, Sonny Ocarlo. And then I read in the newspaper that Joe Colombo is picketing the FBI building. And for your audience that know who Joe Colombo is, he's one of the boss of the five families, the Colombo yeah. family. So with that said, I know how they think. And it's all about money. So I go see Joe. I know Joe. I mean, my whole family's been around this for a long time. I said, Joe, we, can, we I said, can make a lot of money at this film. Is how's that? I said, well, if you stop picketing, and he just hired a young gentleman that I'm still friends with. In fact, his son's now my attorney, Barry Schlotnick. And Barry Schlotnick represented the Italian Defamation League in New York. Mm -hmm. And that's what Joe Colombo created this league to not defame Italians through the book, through the FBI and all of that. So with that said, I go to see him and I tell him my idea. Does you think that could happen? I said, well, Barry, what do you think? He said, let him try. Now I'm 26. <laughs> Nobody knows me in the business. I got a gang of money. I've been working for Costello already. 12 years. Every, everybody knows me as the kid. Nobody knew my name until the Godfather came out. <laughs> so I walk up to the Gulf and Western building, which is now Trump Plaza on Columbus Circle. Okay. And I'm in the lobby and I'm watching Al Ruddy, Stanley Jaffe, Charlie Blue Dawn, who just bought Paramount, Paramount Pictures. Charlie, yeah. It's called Gulf and Western. And I knew Charlie Blue Dawn from Italy, because he was around some friends of ours that he wanted nobody to know. And the last thing he wanted for his first film <coughs> as owning Paramount would be this movie. <laughs> yeah. So I go to them at the elevator. I'm in the lobby. And I said, you guys have a lot of problems in New York with, the, with you know, the mob. So no, we don't. I said, well, let me say something to you, okay? I just left Joe Colombo. They said, what? I said, I just left Joe Colombo, and he wants me to arrange a meeting. And they all look at each other. They said, you could bring him here? I said, yeah. When do you want him? 10 o'clock tomorrow? It's no problem. So I leave there, and I walk down Madison Avenue to the legal office. I said, the meeting's on 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. <laughs> they couldn't believe it, because they've been trying to, they were all fighting yeah. in the papers and all that. So I said, Joe, do me a favor. I knew Butter Astor Chico, Joe Astor, Joe DiCicco, and all the, the heavy, like Lugo Brazzi. Oh, yeah. Lenny Montana. He was a collector for them. I said, let's bring a couple of heavies with us, plus Barry Schlotnick, and you and I. And the, <laughs> the five of us go there. A couple of heavies. couple heavies, well, yeah. No, because they're into yeah. the book. Let's mm -hmm. walk in. Let them Looking. see the book. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, give, yeah. Give, them a, give them a good vision. And what so we're going they're, all they're all sitting behind their desk. We're sitting on the other side. And they go through the whole thing. And they get up and they're shaking hands. They all agree. So I tuck on Joe's sleeve. I know him that well. I said, Joe, what about me? So he says, what about my boy here? So Ruddy jumps right in. He says, oh, no, we're going to give him a part. I said, excuse me. Joe, could you tell them all to sit down? Because they're all standing. He goes like this. Like the Lord, they all sat down. <laughs> I mean, 
you know. No, but I knew I had them then. I just oh, yeah. wanted to see Absolutely. they were going to obey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I said, let me tell you something. He would not be in this room unless I brought him here. So I want to play Michael, Sonny, or Carlo. And they look at me and they say, well, Michael's already been cast. And it was cast by James Kahn first. Did you know that? He was playing Michael first. Got it. No, that I did not know. I know that Coppola. they wanted him for it, but I didn't know that he was cast as Michael first. Got it. Oh, I'm Bobby Evans. Yeah. Wanted him. Yeah. Until, until Francis Coppola got involved, he wanted this guy from, you know, Brian. I mean, uh, what was that first movie? <laughs> uh, was it Brian? Well, no. Oh, shit. No. No, he did. Uh, what was the name of that? Wasn't it something. Needle Needle and something? Needle Park. Yes. Panic and Needle Park. Panic and Needle Park. Yep. Who's older, you or me? Anyway, uh, <laughs> so I remember this. And I said, okay, who's playing Sonny? They said, Carmine Caridi, he's in a play on Broadway because they thought he should be this big guy. I said, well, who's playing Carlo? said, we didn't get to that yet. So I said to Joe, Joe, I want to play Carlo. This is Joe Colombo. He looks at them and he says, he's playing Carlo. They all looked at each other. And he said, he's playing Carlo. And that's how I got the part. Now, the offer, whoever the world is watching now, they made it totally different. All oh, insane. man. Yeah, that oh, would drive no, me insane. Good. That would drive me insane, Johnny. <laughs> if if I, the story's I, that is told, yeah. I got the revenge. We all know the name James Patterson, a great author, right? Mm -hmm. James Patterson book comes out three months ago called the defense attorney about Barry Schlotnick. Now your audience, even if they don't buy the book, go online, page 70 and 71, reflects what I just said in the book, that that's how I got the part with Joe Colombo and Barry Schlotnick. <laughs> so that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's what we call sweet, sweet revenge. It's lovely. Who do, who do we call to, to complain about this? How do I care I in the studio? <laughs> yeah. You can't, you know, you can't. Because they were very it. smart. No, Paramount, Michael. I've been business with them yet. I mean, I never, mm -hmm. I used to sleep in the Paramount when I was a kid because I didn't know where to go. I was, after I got out of Bellevue, after five years of polio, I was a gimp and I was sleeping there. My life around, revolves around Paramount, still to today. Which quarterly, if your audience goes to quarterly owned fine Italian products, I'm the brand ambassador. And I own the majority of the stock throughout the world. <laughs> Which I was lucky enough uh, to try uh, some of the, uh, oh my God, the bouillonier sauce. And, oh, my God. And the <coughs> olive oil. And, oh, Clemenza. Uh, sauce. Yeah, it was. The meat sauce. It's delicious. It is oh, really, great. really good stuff. Yeah, our mutual friend Lisa uh, sent me yeah, some. I and, and, it, and I was able to try it. And I was like, oh, this is. You know, because when you see something labeled that'll have an, you know, has Marlon Brando is, is on the is on the is on the bottling, you just you don't know, you don't know right. is it is it going to be good because it has a, an obvious label on it, and then you try and you're like, oh no, this is is this tastes like a, like somebody's nonamate nonamate it, you know, it's just delicious. Exactly, they're all my recipes. I made them myself, and it is Nana's recipe. <laughs> I need to do the intro again and and call you a chef too. We need to throw all these into. <laughs> who you know and who, comedian well, and com makes yeah. me laugh <laughs> i know well which is so funny. many talents you know speaking of you know your nona's recipe is it is it hard for you to go to italian restaurants because I you know, know 
You cook. I don't go to a Italian you don't. restaurant. <laughs> okay. Okay. Why would I go? So, I, don't Chinese, I don't know how to cook Chinese. I'll go there, but. <laughs> Great Which, point. So if you know how to cook it, there's no point in going there. Well, I told I, I'm, I'm diner, not like that. My dining room is at 16. What am I going to do? Sit there by myself? I invite people. I eat here. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, it's yeah. funny. I, I, I know your favorite Italian restaurant in Miami. And the only reason is, is because I used to work there. And uh, when you were Auto filming. Autos? Well, Chloe, and, and when you were filming Any Given Sunday in Miami. Oh, my God. Yeah. I used to work at a restaurant called Paolo Luigi's. In Coconut oh, yeah, Grove. Sure. And uh, Johnny, you were just such a lovely person to all of us that work there. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah and one of my best friends whose parents own that restaurant, uh, you were so generous and so lovely, you helped get him work on any given Sunday. And uh, to this day, I told him I was going to talk to you today, and he's like, please, tell Johnny thank you. His name is Zeph. He listens to the show, and he loves you to death because <laughs> you were just so uh, so lovely to him. And I was, I was just laughing because I was on a Zoom that uh, that you did with the uh, leave the gun or drop the gun, bring the cannoli. The you did the the book and the, oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I was on that Zoom and I was dying the whole time. I was like, wait a second, Johnny was every day for almost three months. You were hanging out with us and you were just you were just so lovely with us oh, in yeah. Miami. Well, I was I, that was great. One of my I mean, I people don't realize I made forty six motion pictures. But yeah, any, any given Sunday was so much fun because my brother-in-law Pacino came to me with that film with Oliver Stone. And he said, I know you have something to do with football. I said, I really don't. It's my brother-in-law, Pat Bowen owns the Denver Broncos and they just won the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Cause so, that was, that was 99. They had, they beat the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl. That's right. Yeah. No, no. But the year before they won too. Oh, that's, that's this right. Is in between. No, you're right. We it was 98. Back back. Yep. Yep. yep, yep. Ah. So with this, I'm, I'm at Dan Tanner's <coughs> and, and we get into this. I said, well, let me call Pat on the phone. He said, who's Pat? I said, Pat Bowen owns the Denver Broncos. So I get him on the phone. <laughs> Don't ever lose and, your phone because people are going to be mad of all everybody just calling <laughs> on your friends. Hello. Yeah. So I said, uh, Pat Bowen. Pat, he said, yeah, Johnny, what, what are you calling me for? I said, I'm here with Pacino. And he don't know he's on speaker. He's like Al Pacino. I said, <laughs> <laughs> he says, what does he want? I said, he wants to talk to you about making a movie. He said, you kidding me? I said, and I didn't let him go any further. I said, Pat, Al. <laughs> I gave Al the phone. <laughs> and that's how we created Any Given Sunday. That's that's funny. I mean, I actually really love that movie. That was a, a you know, I, I have an affinity for films that were shot in, in my hometown. I th I thought it was an Oliver Stone movie. It was really dark, had a lot of cool yeah, things man. going on. I still remember being an extra on that film at the Orange Bowl and getting to see Pacino, uh, oh, yeah. you know, work. We had the we had the T-shirt cannon shooting yeah. the T-shirt. Oh, yeah. I and, and I got to see Pacino chew out Jamie Foxx on the sideline. And, and get oh, my God. And that was the first, you know, I got to see that within... 30, 40 feet of it happening. And uh, it, it you know, I used to be an actor and it changed my life watching, you know, watching Pacino work. Was there something about Brando? Because you have been so blessed to be, you know, uh, oh, first of yeah. all, it's got to be super intimidating because you're the only one who wasn't an actor, you know, in general. You uh, think I get intimidated by somebody? Forget well, about no, it. No. Not when you're pulling Joe, <laughs> Joe Colombo's, uh, you know, tugging on his shirt and, and he makes Eddie? people sit down. But you're in a room with... 
Don't, don't forget, if you read my book, by that time, I already had two two notches on my gun. So Brando ain't going to intimidate me. Bravo. <laughs> my God. Bravo. Because wow. he scared the go. shit out of everybody this else. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. That is that's right. Wow. No one intimidates you. There's nobody in the world that intimidates you. You know, I'm going to tell your audience why I'm, I'm, I am who I am. I'm going to be 80 in December. My life changed, not because of the Godfather, not because of anything, but March 7th, 1949, when I was diagnosed with polio and quarantined in Bellevue, a state hospital, for five years straight by yourself. Wow. Oh, my God. That don't toughen you up. Yeah. No. There's nobody going to intimidate you. There's nothing that can do it. I mean, what did you do to entertain yourself uh, at that time? You know, did you read? Did you write? Did you draw? No, see, that, that's the other, why I wrote this book. Mm-hmm. I wrote this book in 95, uh, Hollywood Godfather. I have, fortunately, nine sons, two daughters, 10 grandsons. I got 21 kids. They don't even talk to each other. They're on iPads and this, that, and the other. As far as entertainment, this is 1949. There's not even a TV in the room. Mm-hmm. I looked at a ceiling for five years. Oh, man. And I got out of there. That's why every day to me is New Year's Eve. I don't care yeah. about nothing. Why, why would I? And it's been yeah. great. Which, which so is... They don't change your perspective because isolation is one of the most like torturous things on someone's head. And you didn't, you didn't let, there was, was there any after effects from that? Like right after that you suffered from, from being that lonely for that long? I'm, I never used it, but I am totally insane. I went and get in front of a judge one day and said, this right. why did I ask? I knew well, that answer. Yeah, I mean, we, we, you, you knew the answer. When I need it, I'm going to call on and say, you're on it. I did, you know. <laughs> when I need it. <laughs> 60 months, I, I wouldn't go crazy in there. Well, That's great. That's great. One thing I love about your story, Johnny, is, you know, you talk about your, you know, connection to numerology and how you change essentially every seven years and, and you have in your life. Where where does that stem from, uh, the connection for you and numerology? Well, you know what it is? I was born seven minutes to midnight, 1943, all sevens, four and three is seven, 12, 12. And... When I was seven years old, Carlo Gambino sent a transistor radio up to the hospital. And when I told the story to Sinatra one day, he said, who sent you the radio? I said, Carlo Gambino. He's like, that Gambino? (laughs) Yeah, that Gambino. Gambino. I said, (laughs) yeah. He said, at seven. I said, well, Dolores Barone was my floor nurse, was his niece. And I didn't know, unbeknownst to me, my uncle in Sicily sent all of them here, so they knew Angelo Russo. But why I'm bringing it up, on December 12th, I turn on the radio, and I'm hearing all the accolades of Sinatra, how he's from humble beginnings in Hoboken, his mother's a barmaid. He became my mentor. I figured if he could do it, and now I'm crawling like a snake out of bed because I wouldn't give you a bedpan no more. I'm dragging myself, getting on the rails. Fortunately, I had the strength in my right side. And when I told Sinatra five years later, I mean, but the Copa is mm-hmm. now I'm working for Costello. Yeah. And I walk in there 
And I still have a little deformity at that time. And he looks at me when I walk in, he's doing a sound check. And he looks at Julie Bodell. He said, like to say, who's this kid? And Jules said, that's Mr. C's kid. I felt 10 foot 12. So he continued singing. So I sat down, I listened to, I only listened to him on the radio. I never saw him. Yeah. Now, as soon as the break, he puts a cigarette in his mouth. I run right over and I light. <laughs> What's your name, kid? I said, the kid. You know, it's your real name. I said, the kid. Is who gave you that name? I said, Frank Costello. Oh, I'm sorry. So then I tell him, I says, you know, you saved my life. Is how'd I do that? I said, well, Mr. Gambino sent me a transistor radio for my birthday. And he said, like you said, you mean the Mr. Gambino? <laughs> that Gambino? Said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said, how old are you right now? I said, I'm 15. He said, you're dropping a lot of names. Should I be talking to you? I haven't even worried. <laughs> <laughs> and from that day forward, he baptized my son, Luciano. I'm the only human being in the world could say what I'm about to say. My only singing teacher was Frank Sinatra. Not too shabby. My only, my only acting teacher was Marlon Brando. How could I not succeed? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's true. My God, but, it, but it's funny because as as you know, as funny as that is, I guess your you know your upbringing, being around folks that people were you know, scared of or seeing people be intimidated and you not being intimidated because you're familiar with people, it's comfortable space for you, you know, because you could have easily ruined that Godfather movie as a non-actor, really. And you didn't. Oh, yeah. You shined. Well, Mar well, you know, it's so funny because with what you're saying is so true. Everybody I told I was in the movie is, how'd you get in this movie? Forget about it. <laughs> and now we have the first rehearsal on 119th Street in Harlem. I don't know protocol. I've never been on a set. I did nothing. So I felt comfortable going up to Patsy's on 119th Street because that's about Tony Solano's joint, part of the Genovese family. I used to bring midnight loans up there when I was 16, 17, 5,000, 10,000. So now I got a Chinese chick driving me, driving me up there in a 65 Bentley. I'm in Brioni. I get there an hour before. I'm, I want to go to the bar and say hello to everybody. Everybody was there. Danny Pagano. I mean, I'm giving you real names, uh, Angelo Cheesecake, the Jet. I mean, the, I mean, everybody. But he said, what are you doing? It's so early. I know we come in light. We have a zigzag. I said, I'm here for the rehearsal. For the Godfather? I said, yeah. He said, what are you going to do with this? I got a big part. I'm playing Carl. <laughs> get out of here. Like everybody <laughs> did. They said that to me. So now they call us into the room. And they have a whole big table set up. And Coppola has everybody sitting in, in unison, in family or in order. And he said, before I bring Brando in, I want you, the Italians, to exaggerate your hand manner, your, your, everything you do. Because James Kahn, who was sitting there, is Jewish. He has to become Italian. Mm -hmm. Brando is Polish. He has to become Italian. We have a week to do this. Oh, my gosh. So now... Next thing he says before they bring Marlon Brando in, the guard, everybody wanted to, you know, all these thespians, this is their guy. Yeah. And I didn't care. So I'm sitting there and they said, when he comes in, do not have eye contact with him. Do not talk to him. Don't approach him. It's no problem. I sat there. And I wanted to be nice. I didn't know. 
Here he comes. We do 45 minutes. Everybody's doing their lines. Nobody's just reading. I don't know. I don't know what I was doing anyway. Where I said Carlo, I read. <laughs> and then I got some help because I can't even read. I'm an illiterate. I never went to school. So with that said, Miranda approaches me. Uh-oh. Comes over to me. I said, oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> You're a big TV actor. I said, no. You have a big movie coming out. I said, no, I don't. He said, well, you're not on Broadway. I know everybody on Broadway. I said, you're right. It's this quiz show to show you I'm not intimidating. That's what I said right now. He looks at me and said, who'd you study with? I said, what are you talking about? Study what? What are you talking about? So he calls Coppola over. He says, Coppola. He says, Francis, this guy's playing Carlo. And I got the part from Joe Colombo, not anybody in Paramount. That, mm-hmm. And he goes very reluctantly. I said, I know. He said, yeah. And I don't know protocol. I've never been on a set, mm-hmm. even in rehearsal. I said, Francis, do me a favor. Go over there a minute. I dismissed the director. The whole room went silent because these guys, you know, these they know the protocol. Yeah. So when they said, don't even look at him, I put my arm around him. <laughs> And I walk him out of the room where the Ziganek game would be. I knew nobody back then. Now, I don't want to embarrass the guy. Oh, my gosh. I, I knew he was trying to get me fired because he said to Cole, this guy's got to be a great actor. He gets my youngest son. You know, this, my oldest son, Sonny, killed. He brings Michael into the family. He's got to be believable. It's a pivotal, it is a pivotal character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was the thread when I found out. The thread through the movie, the nemesis. <laughs> My, I learned that word one time. <laughs> so I walk him to the back, and I'm getting nose to nose with him. And I said, let me just tell you something, Mr. Brando. I saw all your films. I respect you. But you get me fired. Listen to me. I will suck on your heart. You will bleed out right here. You will not leave this place. No, I didn't know what the guy was going to do. I, I love the look on Megan's face. <laughs> I can't use that line to get parts. I'm just telling you. No, he, <laughs> I'm going to try next time, though. No, he stepped back and he said, that was amazing. You're a good actor. Whatever works, you know. No, but how can I go back to the neighborhood? They all said I wasn't at the beginning. With. They won't Ab- think I'm lying. No, absolutely. An amazing actor. Yeah, I mean, you had to you had to definitely get your street cred, which is funny. It's as a you know as a fan of the film, and and I did, uh, I I watched the offer, but I didn't watch it in the sense of it being a real story per se. I watched it in the sense of. After I saw this guy Matthew Good play Bob Evans, I couldn't stop watching it because he was so good as Bob Evans. I don't want to watch. I got so sucked in because he was he was the reason I I kept on watching the story. But you know your 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 death scene. Uh, How many times did they have to replace that damn windshield? Because that is. Oh, yeah. That's that how that's a pain in the butt shooting first of all but I'm all you know I watch things like that logistically and I'm like how many times did you have to do that You know it's so funny I still get up in the morning and find glass in some of my shoes <laughs> <laughs> He's They're, just like in Brazil Yeah you know, <laughs> you know, of course No it's uh <coughs> again it was my first time I wanted to give it my best like I do in any business I go into mm-hmm. and here we are talking about it 52 years ago since we made it 
It's crazy. It, it's wild. And then, you know, you and, and, you know, in a rare sense, I guess the Godfather part two, uh, you know, you're in that one shot in the film. And at the end. yeah, how, how did that come about? Because it was, you know, probably at least three years later. Uh, chances are maybe you didn't even look the same. Maybe you had longer hair, maybe, you know, whatever. Uh, how did, how did that phone call come about for, for that, you know, for that scene at the end, that shot? Well, they wanted that scene. Okay. And you it's funny about that. You know, I didn't need, I don't, the good news, you know, I live so without, so great without money. Money confuses me. So what are they going to offer me? They offered me 10 times more than I got the whole film for one day. Oh, That's shit. why when I show up, I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. I'm being there. See, yeah. but Brando wouldn't go because I already did another. I I was what most people don't know. Michael Labelle and Andrew Bergman, they're very close friends of mine. We did three movies together. We did Chances Are. Mm-hmm. We did Striptease, and The Freshman. I remember did the Freshman with, with Broderick. Freshman. Hello, Matthew yeah. Broderick, Bruno Kirby. Oh, yeah. I got. Brando, fifteen million dollars to play Don Corleone again, and you couldn't mention his name on screen, which we all thought was great. It was funny. <laughs> wow. remembers this. I was just—I've been goofing on Hollywood every every day since I got I got my first part. I don't know what I'm doing, but look at the movies I made. I mean, look at Family Man, great movie with Nicolas Cage and yeah, me. oh yeah. I mean. No, I get residual checks. My kids say, "Poppy, how did how do you, how is this money coming?" Because I gave it to their trust. I made more than money. But, you know, I got forty six movies and two hundred hours of television. You know, I'm getting fifteen cents from Germany, but who cares? Hey, you know, the other, the other day I got more than I'm like, getting no from Germany. I, I love, and I will deposit every check. I don't care. I got a check for three cents from General Hospital that I did in like 2005 <laughs> for Europe, and I was like, you know what? I'm dep- somebody worked for this check. I am putting this check in the bank. I don't care. It was so small the the phone app couldn't read the three cents. So I was like, you know, I'm just no, going to hold on to this. The next time I have to go in person, and I'm deposit, and I did. You know what I think? But see, when the Screen Actors Guild, which I, I'm far beyond that, when they're cutting people's pensions now, yeah, and, yes, and all that to me, that's not fair. No, nope. I've been trying to get on SAG for for a little over a year now it's it's becoming so difficult and now it's making it so you really maybe don't want to be on it at this point we're, what they're we're doing. saying i'm saying this on public television radio <laughs> to both of you my life is so insane patrick weisberger you may know the name from you know um what the hell is it new line what what big what the big films do new line cinema yeah, yeah, but not, because it's definitely anyway. Patrick won the Oscar this year for Coda. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, and Patrick and I know each other when he was at college in Italy, and I was doing films for his father, who owned all the theaters in France, not Washburger. Now well, I called him Washburger at that time. I said it phonetically, but this kid, he said, if I win the Oscar for Coda. I'm making your movie the way you want it. Because when you know everybody wanted to make my movie, my book is a bestseller yet, two and a half years later. But then they, the like you're saying, the unions, we were making it. You know, I, I mean, I, I David O. Russell, 
I had uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg playing me. This, we, they did 72-page script already. Then they said, well, you have to put a transgender in. You have to put people of color. And I said, hold on a minute. Wait a minute. My life had none of this. Yeah. And I'm not yeah, going to yeah, yeah. bastardize my life for what's going on right now. I'll wait. Yeah, and that's, that's fair. That's what, you know, it's your it's your story. Over two years ago. I got one story to tell. Mm-hmm. I want my grandson to say, Poppy, who is that person with the lisp talking to you? <laughs> yeah, it happened. So anyway. But, but you, so you, you've lived essentially, you, you know, you've lived more lives than many people combined. Is there anything that's on your bucket list? Is there something you haven't done yet that you that you you want to do? Oh, I'm doing it. If you and your audience goes right now mm-hmm. to rapology, rapology, rapology. Okay, okay. A guy called Joel and a guy called Racist, top producers. Joel, I mean, he's like one of the biggest rappers in the world. He's got 270 million followers. They took my book, and him and I wrapped my book. Oh, what a trip. What? The album is out. <laughs> that is insane. That nuts. That's the kind of things I'm going for. My new book comes out this fall called The Sixth Family. When the hell do you have time to write a second book? You have you were you you're doing a show, you're traveling around, you're almost 80 years old. Like, stop. We get no. it. Hold <laughs> I'm launching You're my clothing. Badass. I'm launching my clothing line, La Cosa <laughs> Mia by Gianni. It's You're online now. Gianni. Why? You're making me feel like. Wait a, a second. Look, no, 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 hold on. Nothing. Gianni's, Gianni's got a lot of kids. He's got a lot of a lot grandkids. Of He's got to leave a legacy. He's got to make sure people are taken care of. So keep working. Clothing, I am books. You know, movies. Hey, Eddie, Eddie, I'm not leaving them a nickel. <laughs> I want them to earn their own money. I'm, you know what I'm doing? I started educational funds okay. for people like me. When I die, I'm buying scholarships, feeding the homeless. My kids have too much money to begin with. You think I can give them more money to confuse them? <laughs> they didn't earn one dime, these kids. Forget about it. <laughs> no. Well, if you ever want to throw some this way, <laughs> LA is expensive. I'm coming to New York. I'll work for you. But what I was going to say to both of you, You'll get your SAG card mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. Patrick's film. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I will God cry. Next I'll year. Cry. <laughs> and he's going and he's going for Bradley Cooper to play me. Not wow. a big budget. Big, big, big not big a job. small budget. No, not for Bradley oh. Cooper. Just you, I think you oh. need a you, you need a big budget just to keep all the women from trying to jump him when he's on the streets oh. of New York uh yeah, shooting a scene. I can't be there. You know? <laughs> I mean for real. Uh, so, so you, you know, you mentioned you were you were friends with Frank, and you know, there's there, there's those. Oh sorry, God. Sinatra. You the the stories of of him being upset, you know, at the Godfather because he thought the character of Johnny Fontaine was based on him, and and I was. So, you know, did he have any? Him. Was he pissed at you at all about that? That's a classic story, because he already asked Victor Mo not to do and all that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm very close to him, and he, but you know, there's another guy. Never intimidated me. One night, one night in the Bacchanal room at Caesar's Palace. See, one thing about Frank, you got to know when to leave him. 
one or two o'clock when he starts slurring his words, leave. <laughs> yeah, martini wow. number five. All right, we got to go. Oh my god! No, not only, not, that's what no, you call them martinis by them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm going to share this with your audience. He goes to slap me. What? Now his arm is like a wishbone. I grab his arm in the air, and he's looking at Jilly. I said, let me just tell you something. Don't ever try to do this again. And he's looking at Jilly. I said, what are you looking at him for? Put a bullet in his head right here. And Jilly ain't moving. Now he knows. <laughs> in fact, I, there was a bad odor coming from Frank Sinatra at the store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you I know. Said, wow. I said, let me tell you something, Frank. The next time you try to do this, I'll rip off your arm and shove it up your ass. Okay? I was 23. Oh, before my God. Godfather, before that cock off again. <laughs> well, I mean, you also spent, you know, five years alone uh, uh, battling well, a disease. So at the end of the day, what do you have to lose? You've already been, I guess, at the, at the worst you could possibly think of, say, before death, right? You've been there. Well, if anybody read the book, how I got out of the hospital is I killed a pedophile. I was 12. Wow. He tried to attack me. I killed him with a broom. I put a broom through his heart, under his oh ribcage. I was sitting on the bowl, and this guy's trying to feed me his penis, sell me it's a Tootsie Roll. You got to read the book. That's great. Yes, we do. <laughs> I, wa I watched this guy spinning around in a, wire a white tile bathroom, bleeding out. I just did five years, watched 2,300 kids die. You think something's going to affect me? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I mean, no, I mean, at, you know, at the end of the day, but the, it's funny, it's life is all about perception, right? You know, you could you could have been you could live a sheltered life and your perception of X, Y, Z scares the crap out of you. Or you could live a life where you've been through X amount of things and just stuff. You know, what's you know, what's real, not what's real, but you know, you know, what is actually makes a difference in life. You know that uh, getting mad about, I don't know, your steak being overcooked is not worth it. How about French fries are cold? They shoot the guy in, yeah. at McDonald's in New York. I mean, what's going on? This is crazy. I mean, I'm the guy, even at my age, because I walk every day. I walk two to three miles every day. That's great. I weigh 158 pounds. I got a 31-inch waist. I'm ready to go training right now. <laughs> I wish why? I weighed 150 pounds. <laughs> I, walk, I walk with a cane because I got a, a CCW. I got a concealed weapons in New York. Beverly Hills and Vegas. My lawyer said, you shoot somebody in this atmosphere, you're going to jail. So I had a special cane made. <laughs> oh, no. And I walk with it. So far, I'm three for three. Just knees and ankles. The guy <laughs> says, oh, I love your Rolex, old man. I said, well, save your money and get one. He said, I think I'm going to take that one. I said, count to 10. Think about it. And I whacked him and blew his knee up. Right yeah. ahead, laying on the street, crying like a baby. I mean, no, it, anyway. I'm assuming yeah. it's a 22 because that's what a 22 will do. Hello. Yeah, but I got, but I got a cane. Yeah, with a skull on it. That's three pounds. I don't care where I hit. If I want to kill you, I hit you in a temple. I mean, I, I know yeah. how to use a 10 degree Tai Chi Batsu. See that hand? That hand is not an 80 year old man hand. <laughs> no. No, trust me. My 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 dad is 78 and no. That is not that is not 
uh, an eighty-year-old, an eighty-year-old Manhattan. You, so you, were, you know, you were mentioning you have the 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 permit uh, in Vegas, and you know, you wrote a really interesting film uh, story that takes place in Vegas uh, called "For Which He Stands," or you, you know, you, you oh yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, it, it it's an interesting, you know, really interesting homework. story. Uh, I like that you did your homework. I, you know, I do. I, I do. I'm, I'm I'm a Cuban kid, man. My parents went through a lot of shit for me to get Are here. Are you Cuban? Yes, my parents. I, I was in Cuba many what? times. Uh, so, but you know, it, when when my parents went through enough to get here, whatever I do in life, I put a hundred percent to. And if uh, if you take your time to talk to us, I'm going to take my time to learn about you, Johnny. And uh, I was really fascinated by this story uh, that you wrote about the Colombian crime family, um, and uh, 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 you know what 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 happens in this story and it's based on actual incidents, you know, can you shed a little light for me on that story, you know, and also for the audience at home, I don't, I don't want to say what the film is about, but you know, maybe you can, you could talk no, a little no, bit I'll about that. You, I, I, the good news about what I'm finding out, the more interviews I do, the sharper my mind gets. Absolutely. You talk, yeah. You're talking about an incident, October 28, 1989. Oh, wow. Okay. At one in my club in Las Vegas. In the morning, yeah. Late night. Late night. And at the door for your audience, Steve Sharippa from Sopranos and now yeah. Blue Blood was going to UNLV. And I hired a lot of guys. He was a big guy. And he's at my door. And I used to have my perch where I sat. And for the people who didn't know, Johnny Russo State Street was the place to go if you can get in. <laughs> Opening weekend, Sinatra, D. Martin, Sammy Davis was there every night for three nights straight. Amazing. And after that, Elvis came. I mean, every star in the world, and they came as a friend. I didn't pay them. But they knew I knew people, and <laughs> you know, it was fun. 14,000 square foot with a casino. That's incredible. No rooms. Yeah. Now, how do you build something like that with no rooms? Because of Mo Dalitz and Maya Lansky. They gave me the light. <laughs> Who uh, I can see why maybe you went to Cuba, speaking of Meyer Lansky. Hello? Yeah. Hello? Yeah. How you know? <laughs> so long story short, this guy comes in. He's giving me about $100 bills. We see that a lot. They made a big score. So I call the front door because before cell phones. I Steve, who's this guy? He says, uh, I don't, we don't know. He's a customer from Caesar's Palace, and they, they, it's their check. Great. Load him up. So now he's got a bottle of Cristal, a bottle of Louis XIII, you know, five ounces of Volga caviar. It's not, it's not a bad he's table to be at if you like, if you like drinking and eating. $1,800 in 10 minutes. Yeah. Guess what the guy does? He breaks the Cristal bottle and stabs his date with it in the face. Holy shit. Wow, I'm saying... Johnny. That's crazy. I called Steve. I said, Steve, get the table seven. You know, you're going over there, man. That guy's nuts. I said, what do you think I hired you for? He's boss, that guy's nuts. So I used to have a thing because a lot of my people came to my place and I didn't know all of them. So I went over and I declared myself. I said, sir, I'm Johnny Rousseau. This is my home. You're in my house. Because most Italians would know that. And I said, you know, see, this girl needs a little attention. You hear those sirens, they're coming for you. I think you should go out the exit door. Nobody knows who you are. I got to get to the hospital. He says, no, man. I said, no, man. 
Where were you from? Is you don't want to know. And I don't know, he had the bottle of Cristal yet. That's He broke the bottle, stuck it right in the face. That's incredible. That's crazy. So now I'm saying to myself, how am I going to get rid of this guy? A little guy. Not that he was a big guy. I wasn't afraid of him. But he had, you know, I didn't know he had the bottle yet. I just wanted to get him out. With this, he reaches for the girl and he spins around, tries to slit my throat. Wow. So agile enough, I go back and he cuts me here 81 stitches. My chin is hanging. And I'm watching. We all got cut by shaving. Mm -hmm. I'm watching blood. You don't know if he got your throat. You mean, you really don't know. And that, I know I'm talking, but that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. So I'm saying that's how my mind works of survival. I got to survive here. I said, Look what you did to my shirt. I waited six months for the shirt. Sea Island cotton shirt. He's looking at me like, (laughs) Who's this guy? But I could feel my fingers are getting light already. I just oh, wanted, to get I wanted to get my hand on my gun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's paying attention to the story. I drew, put a righteous forehead. I should not get ah. it. He's F you. I said, F me. I put right two right between his eyes. 150 people. Like, there's a hole. Eddie, I'm watching blood come down the skies. He's still looking at me. So I get the gun. I put three right in his chest. He hits the floor. As soon as he hits the floor, everybody comes in. Police, everybody. So they pull me aside. Coots, I know the detective. He said, what went on? I said, just bring everybody in. And this, and, I, and I, now I'm wrapped. Yeah, of course. With a towel. <clears throat> and, but I learned a strange lesson. The first ambulance came, didn't go to the girl. They went to the most traumatized, him, the bum that stabbed her. Wow. The second name is, and the girl's still alive, Lois Moranis. She says a novena for me every day. But Poots comes to me. I said, take me down. I'm, where State Street was, it was right off of Maryland Parkway, near, um, what was the name of the hospital? Sunrise Hospital. So we get in the car. He says, tell me what went on. I said, this guy comes in. Ding, ding, ding. So you had none of the I said, no, he stabbed the girl. Then me. Everybody saw, yeah, he gets on the radio. Anybody that saw, bring them all in. I want to bring them in. I was generous. I, you know, I paid for their campaigns, all this stuff. 21 days, I beat that case. Wow. That's but the problem was I killed Lorenzo Morales, the underboss of Pablo Escobar. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Like how. You know, how, how, Should we be on the show? Well, how, like, you know, it's like, it's, well, nobody, you think about it, like, okay, then oh he's still God. here. So obviously, um, so, you know, you had to navigate that circumstance. No, what it, so I did. I come home, I find a whole Santeria because I've been in the hospital three days. I got to stitch my through I lost a lot of blood. I, my, I live in a gated community, locked down. You ain't getting in. There's a Santeria. So I call Coots. I said, Coots, what's this? He brings somebody in that knows that whole thing of Santeria and all mm-hmm. that. He says, you're marked for death, which is not a good thing. No. And they had my kids in glasses of blood with salamanders. I said, what does that mean? Is it going to kill your kids, your pets, your neighbors, your last? I said, wait a minute. So I fly to New York to meet a guy that hated me. I didn't dislike John Gotti. I didn't care about him. 
he was a new guy, very flamboyant. Do what you got to do. I'm not into that <laughs> shit. I left, yeah. I left that neighborhood 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah, okay. So I walk into the Ravenite, where I was there before anybody. I walked into Ravenite when I was 12, 247 Mulberry Street, when they dropped me off from the hospital. They didn't take me home. They took me to Carlo Campino's club. Oh, my God. So he says to me, I walk in. He's oh, big killer. Who's that all over everywhere? You know, mm-hmm. every everybody had it on the entertainment tonight. All that was on already. Oh, now you're a killer. And I said, listen, John, none of your bullshit. I'm not here for any the reason. I know you know Pablo Escobar. I want to go to Bogota. He said, what? I said, I want to go to Bogota. He's, I'll buy you the ticket. He thought I'd never come back. <laughs> Most people. Yeah, even I mean, my, yeah. I said goodbye to my older kids. Yeah. Said, Daddy may not come back, but I'm not going to let them kill everybody. No, because I mean, I guess you sacrifice yourself at that point if you drive, the, you know, if you fly down there. Yeah. So I flew in. The good news, they set up a meeting. And Noriega, another friend of mine at that time, he set it up. So I had Gotti, Noriega, and people talking for me. So I go see him in a church, which I felt good about. Mm-hmm. In Costa, I mean, uh, in, uh, where the hell is that town? The major town. In, in, in uh, Bogota, Medellin. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Where he, just, where he just built. Yeah. Medellin. A, a whole prison. Yep. So I walk in. I see him at the, up at the front of the saint. So I'm walking down the pews. As I'm walking down the aisle, the pews are cracking. And the periphery, I'm seeing guys sitting up. The church was loaded with his guys. Oh, yeah. So now I get to the altar. Is you Johnny Russo? I said, yeah. And that's all I remember. Somebody hit me from behind. <gasps> I wake up three floors in the prison he built. No. Shackled, wow. Shack- shackled to a chair. <laughs> nude with no seat. What? Body bags laying all around me. The stench was insane. Oh, my God. I don't even know how long I was there. A guy, you picture me sitting at my level. I look up, and this guy talks to me. And in his hand, he has a book called Making of the Godfather. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here. You, That's crazy. Why don't you tell me you were Carlo? Just clean him up and bring him up to the house. This is insane how this movie, Save which I was saved my ass. Many, <laughs> I didn't even get to Saddam Hussein yet. We could be here for days. I met oh my God. forget about it. No, I mean, what, this but is it, crazy. It's funny. Not, it's not funny, but it's like. You it's know, crazy. Yes, because there should be a film. There should be a film. Well, it and, should be out now. And there will be one when the time okay. is right and everything freaking is. freaking out. <laughs> I'm sitting well, in disbelief over here. No, but I, I love your energy, Megan. Wow. Jesus. Well, I'm, I've always been obsessed a little bit with, with mob stories and history. And I went to the mob museum oh, in Vegas. Mob. And, Most, and I'll be at the, I'm going to be at the, you have to come. Uh, I'll be oh, at when? the mob museum. They're bringing me back in. I, I you, love that. Every time I, you try to leave, they bring you back in? They do, they do. <laughs> you, know, you know what's nice about going to the mob museum? The first time I went there, where they had my book there, yeah, the Mob Museum, most people don't notice, is built in the federal courthouse. 
Yeah. Oscar Goodman got it. So the first night I go there three and a half years ago, I walk into places packed with everybody. And I get on stage and I said, I look around. I said, I can't believe all the people are here. I said, you know how many years they've been trying to get me in this building? <laughs> I had 20 <laughs> indictments. I beat them all. In they the courts. <laughs> they finally did. <laughs> Johnny. I love it. One of the things about it that I'm always fascinated with, and I don't know if I'd ever survive, but the, the lack of women, obviously, on the wall. You know, I, I, I always oh, yeah, thought I, I was born in the wrong era. Maybe I could have been something. Why, why I don't you, know. Well, the gun models never really, you know, got publicity because the, the real guys were married. So those girls are not getting any kind of publicity. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's true. Know. We and only I, found I out about them I in the movies it. later. You know, that was that was really the the please. And I, I get I, you know, I could ask you about Marilyn Monroe because I believe we're coming up on the anniversary. There's a big Marilyn Monroe anniversary that's coming up now because uh, my friend was staying at a hotel in Beverly Hills and uh, it's like some Marilyn Monroe convention. And he's sending, he showed me pictures. There was like a hundred women that are like cosplaying as Marilyn Monroe I know, I know. at this hotel. You know, I, I'm looking at Marilyn Monroe right here. I could turn my camera to it. I have a portrait of Marilyn Monroe that I took when we used to leave late at night to Grand Central Station and go to Brooklyn Bridge, walk over to Brooklyn Bridge and sit on the other side and look into New York. And every time I was with her, respectfully, not talking, making. Yeah. Every time I was with her, when I left at the Waldorf, Costello hit him in the Waldorf for a year. I don't know if you know that. No, and, that, that I didn't know. Yeah. Well, she got away from Xanax, gained the weight. She had certain things she had to be listed. She wanted out of that contract because mm. she wanted to be known as a, a thespian. And she was studying. She studied at the actor's studio. I mean, she studied at one of the most prestigious places to study. And I used to go there at 11 o'clock at night on 15th Street off of Park Avenue to pick her up. (laughs) Nobody knew this. Yeah. Because Costello would go home. The last four years of her life, I met her shampooing. I I got caught on the streets. (laughs) I had to go to continuation school. So they sent me to what Costello set me up. The fourth head of ham shampoo is Marilyn Rose. I couldn't believe it. I didn't even know how long I was looking at it. And she said, you know, we all know the configuration of the shampoo base. And she's facing the ceiling. She said, is anybody in here? I said, excuse me, I'm sorry. And your audience and you, nobody realizes at night, after I said my novenas at St. Patrick's Cathedral, I'd walk over to Broadway. The theaters were open 24 hours a day. I watched some like it hot 10 times. <laughs> and after the third or fourth or fifth time I was there, even when I bought the popcorn at one o'clock in the morning, they were giving me more napkins. Napkins this thick. Because they knew I was masturbating up there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that's the, that, that was before the Victoria's <laughs> Secret catalog. That was before, you know, anything. I was like, that was before I anything. Did, that totally, that totally went right over. I was like, napkins, where's the story going? Oh, oh God. <laughs> no, but you know, the show I'm, I'm, the show I'm on tour with right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've already did three cities. I'm coming your way. I bought all this footage. Oh. So when I tell you the story chronologically, I take you to that. I bought the footage of her singing it with that sheer dress. 
That's great. I mean, I mean, this show is if you hear it being played anywhere. Well, go see it. Megan and I, I are Megan and I are going to come see you when you're here I in LA. We're to. definitely going to come see the show. Oh, I'm inviting you. Scared, scared not... to, but will. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't bring your skull cane, please, around me. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm at the Pala Casino October first. If you're down in that area, okay. And then on the second, you got to let me know. I'm at Herb Alpert's Vibrato up in Bel Air. Oh, so you're right here. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Oh, yeah, you are right here. And, and and let me know. I'll get you a table and you'll be my guest. When you're doing a great event in September uh, down in San Diego, if I'm not mistaken, you're doing an evening uh, You Can't Refuse, which I love. Yeah. Uh, how, so folks down that's in... That's at Pala. Oh, that's, that's the one that's... At, oh, that's the one that's... 1,200 people. And I'm also doing one for the Italian-American club down in Little Italy because I'm helping them build. They want to build a, a clubhouse. So I'm dedicating the first night. All the proceeds go to them. Second night is at Pala Casino, 1,200 people. Wow. If you want to come there, I'll get your rooms. You'll be my guest. You don't have to pay for nothing. I, well, I mean, I, I would, first of all, love to see you again because I haven't seen yeah. you since... You know, uh, any given Sunday. I haven't seen you in person <laughs> since I was, you know, working at a restaurant. You sound like some of my sons. I, <laughs> John, Johnny, is there, and I know we're, we're, we're getting close to wrapping up, but I was really curious because uh, was that film, uh, you know, for which he stands, was that the first film you wrote? Uh, no, I wrote, I wrote three films that year. I wrote, oh, wow. uh, um, I wrote a film called PCH. Okay. Starring Elliot Gould, uh, Sally Kellerman. I discovered Denise Richards. Oh, yeah. And it was a great movie. Uh, not a great movie, but it was my movie. I, you asked me what I wrote. I wrote yeah. it. It was a great movie. I wrote For Which She Stands, and I wrote something else. I, I mean, I'm, I'm well, just doing this as goofy. Well, is, is, is there any kind of like unwritten rule of you know you, the the film you wrote for which it stands you know Vegas Casino uh, but it's about this essentially what happens with this uh, this Colombian drug guy is there is there an unwritten rule because you have friends that were you know that that had that had affiliations that you don't write a film about that even though you were in The Godfather but you, maybe you don't write a film about those stories or or no I've had meetings in Sicily constantly I'm still good friends with a lot of people yeah. Excuse me. I, I own Jenko olive oil. Yes. Hello. Brilliant. So folks Think who don't know that. Jenko olive oil, watch the Godfather. You'll see Jenko olive oil, uh, uh, and also brilliant branding, by the way, for the Jenko olive oil, which, uh, is part of Corleone fine Italian, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And it's the can from the movie. Yeah. That's why I say to a lot of people, even like in the offer, in the original film, Michael says, the closing scene before he kill me. Megan, pay attention to this. This is bad. I am. <laughs> I'm getting into it. I'm he down. Said, no, Carlo. Your punishment is you're out of the family business. Well, now I own the family business. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, Johnny. Oh, my yeah. God. Johnny, I, you know what's so funny is uh, I don't want to take up any more of your time because I know I know how precious your time is. We're, we're getting... Uh, we're, we're He's getting... got a third book to get to, Eddie. Know, He's got a third I one. Know. He's got to get it to it. And, and the thing is, Johnny's oh, so I'm generous. I'm tomorrow night. I'm going. I'm leaving. Johnny's so generous. I know that he'll just keep talking to us. So if, if I don't... Why not? No, and it really it really means the world to me because... You know, having having met you 20, 20 plus some odd years ago, and uh, and and you 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 know whether you know it or not, you made made an impact on a on a kid who was a busboy at a restaurant because you were so lovely to all of us. You really were, and we and I worked I at a place. That. I worked at a place where a lot of celebrities, athletes. Uh, you know, pe- people just came in because of our location right there in Coconut Grove, and I can't speak to everybody. Uh, being as generous and as kind as you were, and and thank you so much for being generous and kind right. with Megan and I. Because no I'll shit, we're be... taking you up on that. We're gonna go see your show. Um, I want you. How, you have my email. How you can, have my email. I want you. How how can the audience check you out? Of course, we've got the Hollywood Godfather podcast. Uh, we've got Corleone Fine Italian. Uh, where else can folks? I mean, obviously, go to JohnnyRusso.com, please. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but what? And then, and then your audience is everywhere. I mean, like I just said, the Pala Casino. Yeah. It's going to be a great show. And and vibrato is very small and intimate. There's only 120 seats. But if I drop the names that are already coming, oh my god, I want to see you. I mean, yes, that's great, okay. but I, no, I, but I want to see you. And I want you to see me. That you yeah. gave me a lot of great compliments, and you know, my my one thing that I was told early on by major major guys like Costello, like you know, I, mean, I can name every major guy. They said, "Johnny, always be nice." Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The rest of it we'll take care of. Yeah. <laughs> is is that the best advice you ever got? It is. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. And any regrets? I, ne- I never spent this may sound crazy to everybody else. I never had handcuffs on. I never been arrested. I never spent the night in jail. What? Had, that's right. Not had, one. Hold on. Not one. Not so, had a handcuff on. I had three murder investigations, all Dismissed. Yeah. 23 federal indictments, all dismissed. And I got apologies for it because they tarnished my reputation. So I think I think you're more Teflon than anybody else who's been referred to as Teflon. Let's be honest. Yeah, uh, if, if the role, if, if the shoes were flipped, right, and somebody from Colombia had had, uh, let's say, similar circumstances at a at a club casino in Medellin. And that dude flew to Mulberry Street to a church. Do you think that guy would have woken up? If he said what I said to him. Okay. What I said, we never got to it. When he finally was in his dining room, he said, I want to ask you one question. Why did you come here? I said, I did my homework. You have a daughter, Gina. I have a daughter, Gina. Same age. If somebody was going to kill your daughter, what would you do? He got up from the dining room table, walked to me. He said, get up. I didn't know he was going to cut off my head. Mm-hmm. He hugged me. He said, there's very few men like us. And he let me go. 
See, I think if you're a man yeah. and you stand up for your rights, I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. And to answer your question, you went to Mulberry Street and explained why you were there. You'd be on the radio talking right now, talking it. about it. Got it. Because yeah. they're real guys. Mm-hmm. They're idiots with dealing drugs and whatever they're doing. I we're not a part of that. I never will be. I know I'm not even in the mob. Everybody thinks I'm in the mob. How can I have 73 liquor licenses? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so Johnny, they they let you go. And uh, I think it's time for us to let you go. But before you go, uh, first of all, folks, please head to johnnyrusso.com. If you want some great Italian products, he does not mess around. Like he said, these are his recipes at Corleone Fine Italian. And uh, I mean, I, I, today I listened to the James Kahn episode of your podcast, which is great. The Hollywood Godfather podcast available, you know, where you get your freshly squeezed podcasts. Uh, Johnny, we, we, we end every show the same and, it, and it, it, it never gets old for me because I love acknowledging people and the only thing we don't get back in life is time. And Megan and I want to acknowledge you so much for taking some of your precious time and spending no, it here with Megan and I. We will definitely take our time and go spend it with you when you have our show. And then we'll do it again. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Please. Oh, I could talk to you for hours. Guys, please <laughs> like subscribe uh it's because of lovely conversations like these that megan and i love to get behind the microphone and talk and uh it's one of the most beautiful things that we get to do thanks so much and uh have an awesome night in new york city johnny good luck with your show i know you're on tomorrow so please enjoy your wine get some rest break a leg (laughs) god bless you thank you you, johnny thank you talk soon